This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, as we've been hearing today, the uh, Alberta Justice Minister, Kathleen Ganley, has announced a plan to try to address these delays in the court system. Uh, we've been hearing a lot about it lately. Charges being stayed. There was, what, 15 charges stayed recently in, in Edmonton because there was no prospect of getting them to trial on time. I mean, the courts have been pretty clear about what becomes an unreasonable delay and at which point a case collapses. And that's just the reality right now. So the Alberta government today announcing $14.5 million to hire 35 Crown prosecutors, in addition to the 15 being recruited right now, they say, and to also hire 30 support staff. They want to ensure that the most serious and violent cases are being prioritized. But there's been some suggestion, we read about it earlier this week in the Globe and Mail, that the uh, the Crown prosecutors are being directed to not pursue cases that don't have a, a reasonable likelihood of conviction. And and how do we determine what that threshold is? I want to explore this in a little bit more detail. Uh, Stephen Penny joins us on the line, law professor at the University of Alberta. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Uh, hi, Rob. How are you doing? Uh, very well. And, and by the way, and I know we, we talked before, obviously, about the, the Vader case and Section 230 and, and the problems there. We also learned this week that the feds are going to try to to clear some of these so-called zombie laws from, from the criminal code. I guess that's something that's long overdue, isn't it? It is long overdue. Uh, you know, I don't know that it's going to make a, a huge practical difference to the way that criminal justice is administered, but it's, it's, a, welcome, it's a welcome change nonetheless. Indeed. All right. So let's talk about what's happening here. What's your sense of of why this problem, these uh, shortages and and delays in the system, why it's become so acute? Well, it's a combination of a number of factors. Uh, We have, you know, fairly rapid population growth in Alberta. And I don't think we've kept pace in terms of the resources that have been allocated for prosecutors, for legal aid, uh, and for judges and court staff and facilities. So it sounds like the government is beginning uh, to address that. Um, but there are also, I think, many inefficiencies in the system. Uh, it's a, you know, a very large and very bureaucratic system that's constrained by all sorts of laws and traditions. And as a result, uh, you know, I think that the, the Supreme Court's recent decision in this Jordan case that spurred a lot of this is causing a lot of people in the system to rethink the way things are done and to try to find efficiencies. Right, because, I mean, it's, it's entirely reasonable that, um, that, that people who are accused of a crime, that this be dealt with in uh, a reasonable amount of time. And we have a better understanding, as you say, of what that is. Correct. Uh, and I think the Supreme Court of Canada sent a, a pretty firm message both to governments uh, and to everyone involved in the system that this has to be taken more seriously and that not only do resources have to be devoted to the problem, but we also perhaps have to rethink the way that we manage cases and we manage uh, how the system operates. And that's a, that's a difficult uh, task to undertake, um, but I think this, uh, this new triage protocol that the government has unveiled is, is designed to help uh, alleviate the problem. Right. And by, and by the way, and Stephen, there's been some suggestion that you know, maybe uh, accused or, or maybe defense lawyers are, are taking advantage of this, that there are just too many disclosure requests, this sort of thing, almost like they're trying to run out the clock. Is there anything to that? Well, I, I think that there may be in individual cases, uh, you know, a strategy to try to, to, as you say, run out the clock. And that's been a concern that the courts have expressed uh, really from the very beginning, of, you know, since the charter has been enacted and this right came into being in the first place. 
But I think that there are tools available, and the Jordan decision uh, speaks to this, uh, to discount those efforts. In other words, defense counsel have an obligation, just like Crown counsel, to move things along in an expeditious way. And if you can point to delays, uh, you know, including frivolous or unnecessary disclosure applications by the defense that are really the responsibility and choice of the defense, then that's not going to be counted against the Crown. And so it won't be counted in terms of deciding whether or not the time limit has been exceeded. Right. So we can account for that. That's right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this this triage, as it's being called, right? There's, there seems to be an emphasis on making sure the most serious cases get priority. So how do we go about doing that? Well, it's a difficult thing. I mean, I think when you're talking about criminal justice, and especially when you're talking about people who've been victimized by crime, it's hard to think of justice being rationed or prioritized. But inevitably, that's the case. I mean, we live in a world of of finite resources, and even if we do spend more on the criminal justice system, and there may be a strong case to be made for that, we're still going to end up in a situation where we have to be responsible for taxpayer money. These are public funds, and we should all want those funds to be used as transparently, equitably, and efficiently as possible. And so I think the purpose behind this document is to maybe reinforce the notion to prosecutors that while they're dealing with victims, while they're dealing with very serious issues, they still have to pay some attention to resource priorities and that, you know, if we prosecute every case to the fullest extent of the law, inevitably what's going to happen is that the most serious and complex cases are going to be stayed disproportionately by the courts. They're going to be tossed or thrown out because of the problem of unreasonable delay. And so to prevent that, you have to prioritize as much as possible to, you know, sort of tailor your resources to the most serious uh, cases. That doesn't mean you don't pay attention to the others, but they're less of a priority. Right. Well, you know, and I mean, the law is the law, but this came up earlier today, and we're talking about these dispensary raids in Toronto and Vancouver and elsewhere, and I guess these are the kind of questions the system has to confront, that is it a a, a valuable use of public resources to, to prosecute a case? How, how do we prioritize these cases? Exactly, and I think that this uh, this document is drawing attention to that. Implicitly, you know, that's been part of prosecutorial discretion and police discretion from the very beginning. They have limited resources. They have to make decisions. But I think, you know, what is coming to the forefront now is, is a, way of trying guide that, a way of trying to guide that discretion that relies on consistent and coherent principles. So we can, we can prioritize, we can triage, and expand public funds in the most efficient and equitable way possible. Now, what about this question, though, of the the reasonable prospect of a conviction? Because that could be a serious charge, it could be a a much less serious charge, but if if the Crown doesn't feel they've got a reasonable chance of of a conviction, uh, do, do those cases need to be abandoned? They do, and there's absolutely nothing new about this. It's been part of Crown prosecutors' ethical obligation throughout Canada for a very long time. So in Alberta, there are specific guidelines long-standing guidelines that require in every single case for the prosecutor who's reviewing the file to be convinced that there's not just a reasonable prospect of conviction, but there's a reasonable likelihood of conviction. In other words, it's more likely than not that this person will be convicted of this particular charge. And there's an ethical duty to withdraw the charges if that standard isn't met. And so, you know, that, that's something that every prosecutor has to deal with on an ongoing basis to determine whether or not there's enough evidence that will meet that standard. 
Right. And from what I've been reading, though, maybe that threshold has been altered a little bit where maybe it's been more of an approach uh, of, of asking whether there's a slim chance uh, of a conviction. Yes, is, is that well, a different standard? Well, it is a different standard, and that shouldn't be the standard. It's not the standard in Alberta. They're very explicit guidelines on that. They haven't changed. Now, to be fair, you know, the, it's difficult sometimes to assess the probability of conviction. There are a lot of variables that go into it. Uh, there may be limited information available. You never know how, what witnesses are going to say on the stand or how they're going to stand up to cross-examination or, or how forensic or circumstantial evidence is going to be evaluated. And so there's a gray area there where I think you have to make a judgment call based on your experience as to whether or not it meets the standard. But at the end of the day, it still has to meet the standard. And to the extent that prosecutors have brought forward cases where the evidence is very thin and very weak, well, that's, that's a problem. I, I don't know if that's an extensive issue, uh, but it shouldn't be happening. Well, but it, there seems to be a sense that the Crown prosecutors are, are resisting this. Why, why would they? You know, I, I can't speak uh, on behalf of Crown prosecutors. I mean, I one sort of issue that's been raised in the media is the sense that Crown prosecutors shouldn't be making decisions about prosecution based on what you might call crass or mere financial concerns, that everyone has a right to the day, uh, their day in court, and it does a disservice to victims to, to ration justice, to parcel it out based on financial considerations. You know, and I have some sympathy for that. I mean, you have to sit down with a victim of crime, with a complainant, with others who've been affected and say, you know what, I'm afraid we can't proceed with this case because it's not a big enough priority. You know, that, that's a very unfortunate thing to happen. That causes real damage and harm to those involved. And we ought to try to avoid that happening as much as possible. But we also have to be realistic and be aware that these are public funds and that every dollar that's spent on criminal justice is a dollar that's, by definition, not spent on other priorities like health, education, social welfare, child protection, environmental protection, and so on and so on and so on. And so, you know, we have to find a balance between recognizing the importance of doing justice in individual cases, treating victims with respect being as transparent as possible, but at the same time recognizing that we have to prioritize and that our time and resources have to be focused on more serious cases first, less serious cases second. And I guess in the meantime then, I mean, it's going to take some time to hire some Crown prosecutors. Uh, that's not going to happen overnight. But in the short term, this kind of prioritizing, maybe that can make a, a more immediate difference. I think so. I mean, we'll have to see how it's implemented. Um, but, I mean, I don't think prosecutors should be fearful that their discretion is being taken away and they're not, you know, being permitted to do their jobs. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they are, you know, an under, under an obligation to act in the public interest. So we talked about the reasonable likelihood of conviction, but there's another part of that test that they're ethically obliged to follow, and that is whether it's in the public interest to proceed. And if we look at that on a kind of global or aggregate scale, well, it can't be in the public interest to prosecute everything no matter what if the inevitable consequence of that is that the courts are going to toss out serious violent cases and that those, the people who have committed those crimes are not going to face justice. The priority has to be on those cases and, and not those that are relatively less serious. All right. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Stephen, uh, appreciate the insight, and uh, thanks for making some time for us here today. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Stephen Benny, uh, law professor at the University of Alberta. Uh, his thoughts on uh, the announcement from the Alberta government, uh, where, where we need to go to addressing these problems. But in the meantime, it is a real problem. There was a uh, press release yesterday from the opposition Wild Rose uh, regarding this uh, triage protocol. 
Uh, the opposition is concerned, says the new protocol was issued last Monday, obtained by the Globe and Mail. And the Wilders opposition, it says, even once a file is determined to be prosecutable and is serious or violent and therefore a priority, it may still not be worth prosecuting to the fullest extent possible given the anticipated result and the resources required. The document cites fiscal constraints and increased demands on the justice system. Uh, Brian Jean says those accused of criminal offenses should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. There's room for triage in our system, but not for this. This is an emergency that is making our streets less safe. The NDP needs to immediately reverse this protocol. Uh, and that's certainly something Kathleen Ganley addressed today. Uh, that they want to make sure that the most serious cases are prioritized. Uh, so here's uh, what she said about that. The triage protocol is explicit. Accepting a lesser plea just to save time is not acceptable. Decisions are made by Crown prosecutors exercising their individual discretion and they must be principled and defensible. This was one, the triage protocol was one step. This investment in resources is another step and we think this will ensure that Albertans uh, will be able to seek and find justice. Okay, so it, it, it is going to mean that some cases are going to get bumped for more serious cases. And I think that's the challenge, as Stephen Penny said, that, that to that individual, to that victim, that case is serious. Right? And so there are going to be some, some difficult decisions to be made. 403-974-TALK is our number, 974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.